Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sulkless Vision. In today's episode, we discuss 10 points for left activism. This is a 90-minute discussion, and we invite you to call in at 347-857-1319. All right, we're back in the house here, uh, coming out of Cali. Hey, welcome back, welcome back. Yep, definitely. Coming from Cali, brother, coming from Cali. Hey, rainy, coming from Cali, rainy, although rainy, we have, we got lots of rain and storm and mudslides yep. and uh, the dams, are, you know, spillways are given away, but uh, welcome to California, we have it all. That's right. For you climate deniers, though, don't think because it's raining out here. That's global global warming is not a problem, okay? Just get that out your head. Do That's some right. Studying. That ain't no, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, brother, welcome back, man. Uh, you know, it's been a good uh, good week. Man, it's been, it's been so much going on, though, in terms of protests and resistance. I know this was the uh, right. not my president today. And of course, you know I work from I work from home, so I mean, you know, I don't I don't know if anybody if I if I dressed in all black, anybody would see it. But uh, you know, I try to I try to go on on my Twitter, man, and just you know re, do a lot of retweeting and you know responding to stuff. Sometimes I'll engage with some of the fascist supporters, but I don't I don't recommend people spending wasting their time doing that. But I do it selectively, you know. I mean, it's like if it's somebody that. I really want to see how far I can get with them on some stuff. That kind of helps me sharpen my, you know, uh, retorts, if you will. But uh, a mm. lot of stuff going on there. And I've been and this dude, um, what's his name? Charles? Is it Charles Blow? I think he's the New York Times columnist. He's been throwing down, Carl. Oh, really? Uh, I need to look up his name. Yeah, it's a brother who's a columnist for either. I think. Um, New York Times, something like that. Yeah, but he be talking shit. He don't care. <laughs> he don't care. He's full frontal on 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 this fascist. And I want I don't say his name, so I mean, but people know when I say fascist, who I'm talking about. But I want to get his name. I'll look it up in a minute. But yeah, yeah man, there there's was, so much going on. There, there was um, I, I, and I'm trying to get a list of all the cities that today that not my President Day rallies that were held in L.A., Chicago, New York. I think um, Minneapolis, um, and I'm right now. I'm looking for all the uh, cities that had that. I attended one yesterday in Sacramento, uh, organized by uh, Party of Socialism and Liberation. Um, you know, it wasn't a real large turnout, but it was a nice, uh, uh, nice turnout. Uh, good speakers, uh, folks from uh, Standing Rock uh, came and spoke about the. Keystone Pipeline and uh, uh, spoke on that issue, spoke on Palestine, spoke on uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, spoke on a wide variety of range of, of, of issues and spoke to uh, the need to, uh, we not only must resist, but have a vision for socialism. So it was a, a really good mix of folks, uh, folks from uh, Peace and Freedom Party and uh, Peace Action and, and a number of different organizations. And I assume 
throughout the country, uh, where, wherever uh, protests, um, not my president protest was taking place, um, there was a rich um, discussion or rich uh, demands that came forward in um, not my president day because it is causing the Democratic Party to go berserk. Um, the Democratic Party, um, represented through MSNBC, have been, have been trying to figure out why these people are not, um, in their mind, uh, uh, focusing uh, principally on the Republican Party, uh, not focusing on uh, just supporting the Democratic Party, but exposing the Democratic Party of its bankruptcy uh, in terms of its uh, uh, its connection and role to corporate America and neoliberalism policy, and they're freaking out all over the place because they feel that that movement is not going to be so easily co-op um, uh, in the Democratic Party. So it was it was interesting watching them uh, criticize, be baffled, uh, trying to understand. Uh, this new movement, this new resistant movement that is currently taking place that has no particular leader um, currently right now. Uh, there are many leaders, those in the women uh, movement, uh, the four or five women who helped organize the Women March, not all connected to the Democratic Party. Um, those that are uh, engaged in the immigrant right, uh, Day Without Immigrants, uh, led uh, uh, by a number of different new and young activists, uh, not all a part of the Democratic Party. Uh, those who are engaged in Not My President Day today, uh, again, not connected or part of the Democratic Party, and they're finding it frustrating and difficult for them to uh, take hold of this new resistant movement and make it... Uh, palatable for their uh for their interest uh to fundamentally to like any democrat any bootleg backstabbing double dealing blue dog democrat into office uh uh versus a more progressive radical um uh working class uh person of color uh that is that is critical of capitalism per specifically and not trying to wash it over you know uh whitenize it in a way uh to do that and part of what the the critique is is, is coming at is they're arguing that the democratic party is a party of identity party that it is a party of pro muslim pro uh lesbian pro uh, uh uh people of color um but what they fundam- and they're saying that it that that is good, but they must fundamentally shift to um, the more reactionary nature uh, folks of the uh, 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 leadership and representative of the white working class and the most racist uh, contingent. And uh, uh, one of the things that they've been a- they've been doing is to demonize young people who articulate a socialist vision by simply saying that, you know, this new generation of millennials are not scared of socialism when they should be, and that it, and they're saying that socialism is some form of fascism, uh, and therefore they shouldn't, you know, go down that road uh, and kind of thing. So it was just interesting watching them twist and turn 
um, trying to figure out how to deal with this resistance movement uh, in a way that they can co-op, you know, gut it out and utilize it for their particular purposes. Yeah, yeah, you know, the thing is, man, we, we've said it, you know, several times that that this this means that, you know, this, this fascist coming to power, this this right this extreme right wing uh direction. Also the what neoliberalism has done, we you know we talked about neoliberalism a couple of times and we we've devoted a couple of shows what neoliberalism is in terms of Obama and looking at um, you know Hillary Clinton and all other folks, but this neo this neo little neoliberalism strain has created a serious crisis within bourgeois capitalism, and I say bourgeois capitalism not only in terms of the economic system but also in the political system, and and it's also created a crisis in terms of the oligarchy is trying to usurp power. So this is this is a good time to, you know, have this level of activism that we see. Now, I am not, you know, I'm not naive to think, oh, yeah, you know, this is going to mean change. No, not necessarily. It's too, it's too early to, to even look at that right now. I mean, what we, we're doing is trying to build up some strength because basically the left is in shambles. The resistance movement has been, you know, fundamentally weak. But yet, you know, we see this kind of broad race uh, grassroots response. But but there is a serious division, Carl, in terms of, you know, these kind of reactionary uh, right-wing supporters of Trump. And there's a lot of people in this country, um, in which, you know, I, to be quite frank, I didn't, I didn't realize that people were just that stupid. And, and I mean that in an objective sense. I'm not talking about in terms of just trying to call out names. I'm talking about people just, you know, going for the okie-doke, just, just making to say anything and they'll go for it. Whereas you have the other side, you know, you have a population that's, you know, critical thinking, uh, reasonable thinking, has empathy for other people, those kind of things. They may not be socialist, but they certainly are not supporting of the fascists. And so the country is, is, is somewhat is, is divided, and, and this is going to be a serious struggle because these fascist supporters are all over the map in terms of why they're supporting this fascist in the White House and, and, and not only supporting the fascists in the White House, but supporting that regime and that, that, that ideology. That ideology is full of bigotry and hatred. It's very, you know, it's, it's full of, of American nationalism, which is just, you know, that's just becoming sick. I mean, you can't, crit, you know, you, if you criticize the nationalists or, or criticize the fascists, you know, you'd be labeled uh, anti-American. And this is what the, uh, that columnist Charles Blow was, you know, is going after. Like, you know, look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna use that on me. That that that's bullshit. You know, you're not gonna tell me that I don't love the country or that I'm anti-America because I'm criticizing the fascists in, in the in the White House. And so this is this is the kind of thing that we need. It is it, dirty. It's, it's hard. It's going to be a lot of a lot of problems. But but just think about the fact that if we had had Hillary up there. You probably wouldn't have this until maybe she had started a war or something like that. Other than that, you probably wouldn't have had this. People would just got lower right back into that kind of neoliberalism that's being a, a, a problem for the, for the last several decades, seriously. And so in one sense, this is good. I mean, I'm not saying I wish we didn't have to be this place because I don't, I don't like just getting out struggling for struggling's sake. Um, but 
we, you know, I'm sorry, but this is the way it is, and hopefully some good will come out of it. So, in in that regard, the um, I, I ran across uh, an article by this guy named um, George Lakoff, L-A-K-O-F-F. You probably heard of him, and um, he he's wrote he's written this uh, article called uh, the Ten Point for Democracy Activists, right? And, and it's been kind of getting a lot of play and going around, people retweeting it on Twitter and things of like that sort. And basically what he has is this kind of thing of how do we respond to the fascists? How do we respond to it? How do we deal with it? I'm going to quickly go off. I'm going to quickly just give his points out so people can look it up themselves, 10 points for democracy activists. And it's not that I don't think that some of this stuff is really great. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's, I think it's useful for almost anybody that's progressive, that's, that's really kind of pissed off about what's going on. But it led me to think about 10 points for left, left activism. Right? You will see that our points are different than, than what he's, he's bringing about, even though they complement each other. So let me go over that really quickly. He says, number one, he says, understand the basic issues. And, and that's true. You know, understand what the issues are. Be, you know, really school yourself about what the issues are in terms of the immigration issues, uh, in terms of, um, you know, environmental issues, all the things that the fascists are talking about, really, you know, understand those yourself. So it's really important that you get into the habit of reading and, and, and schooling yourself on a daily basis. Just don't talk based upon some, like, little talking point. Really try to understand as much as you can about the issues that, uh, that are affecting us now. Um, know the difference between framing and propaganda. You know, again, and I think that's any, any critical thinker, any left person should be able to do that and understand what propaganda is when you hear it. Um, because there's a lot of propaganda being coming out, right? There's this whole thing that the, the new meme now is, is fake news. I mean, which, you know, I'm just tired of hearing that. Uh, a lot of people are getting tired of hearing that. So, but, but there are, there is, Intentional fake news going out there to uh, to confuse people, uh, a certain propaganda to perpetuate a certain ideology or a certain issue. Um, number three is whole Republicans accountable. Well, that's you know I say the whole Republicans and the Democratic Party accountable. You know these, right. these are bourgeois parties, these are fascist parties. Hold both of them motherfuckers accountable. Go to town hall meetings. Do whatever you think. You know, go on social media. And just you know, lamb blast it both of the both of the party. Just lamb blast them if they're not in, in particular Democratic Party. If it's not doing what it's supposed to do, and like Carl talked about that, because they're going to try to move, you know, try to show this back around to um, to 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 their interests and to their objectives. And we got to make sure that the people's objectives, particularly working class and social justice issues and racism, anti-sexism, environmentalism, immigration. That they, they, they stay on point with those things. Um, second thing is focus on the attention on substance, not sideshows. You know, I know it's really easy to talk about, you know, the, the Agent Orange, you know, and talk about, you know, the, the fascist in terms of his personality and how he look and all that. That's fine, but really come back to the substance of the issues, the, the issues about democracy, the, the undermining of democracy, the, the, the oligarchy, the, the notion of capitalist power, focus on those and not just the sideshow stuff because that's just a waste of time. Don't even let the fascist supporters 
can get you into that kind of thing. Um, one that we, I kind of uh, added to my list is focus on democracy and freedom. We've talked about that. We want to talk about it some more when we get into it. Um, be careful not to spread fake news. Definitely go to sites that are going to give you some solid information. There are even some left-leaning sites sometimes that I'm not saying they're giving fake news, but a lot of times they're trying to get, they're doing clickbaiting and they're trying to, they'll put stuff up there and not really give you the full story about stuff. And so we even be careful on some of that too. Um, but, you know, go to sites like Fact Checker, uh, factcheck.org, uh, PolitiFact to check those things out. Number seven, understand the brain's politics. Um, and I think he, basically what he's saying there is there's nothing neutral about anything. I mean, we talked about this in the show before in terms of, um, in terms of uh, uh, ideology. You know, when it, when it comes down, there's really nothing objective in the media, for example. There's really nothing objective about ideology. You know, either you, to me, Secretary Ray was really cool about it. He said either you're for the people or you're against the people. You are the people's ideology or the anti-people's ideology. Well, to me, it comes down to that, okay? But, but really think about that in terms of how people think about, uh, you know, this, this kind of neutral, uh, 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 this kind of this, this notion of being neutral. You can't really be neutral on these kind of issues. You really can't. Um, number eight, um, uh, remember, we're the powerful American majority. And that's true. They're, they're, again, I tell people on, on Twitter all the time, that only one-fourth of the population or voting, the voting population voted for this fascist. So that means three-fourths did not vote for him at all. So and that's all you got to come back with. I mean, he didn't, get, he's not a, he didn't get a popular vote or whatever. That's all you got to come back with is one-fourth, only one-fourth voted for him. And then the last thing is, def- and number nine is be positive. Definitely do that. Have a positive outlook. Have a positive message. Have a positive um, goal, you know, that kind of thing, a vision. All right, and then he has a thing that he's pumping up called Join the Citizens Communication Network, which is on Facebook. And I don't, I haven't had time to look at that yet, but certainly go there if you want to do that. So, if if those ten points sound good for you, uh, listeners, you know, definitely check it out. You know, we're going to talk about our ten points, stuff that we've talked about before, but we want to reiterate, and we've done shows on 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 many of these points. Okay. I think uh, George Lakoff uh, has been around. I think for those who, um, I think in 2003-04, um, he came out um, with a book, um, and I can't recall the title of the book, but it was more or less on framing the issue. And that became the mantra among liberals for a while, uh, particularly uh, those who are connected to the Paul Wellstone, that um, framing the issues is most important. Um, framing is important, but in of itself is not complete. And um, I know he still is in that context. That's one of the reasons why our 10 points will be a little different. And his is much more generic and easy to understand for people who are just being introduced to politics. So uh, for those who are just being introduced and, and not familiar with all the, the left lingo, this is um, a good uh, entryway, but it's not necessarily complete. Um, and, uh, and it's more or less helping uh, activists to 
to understand and what they can do in um, a particular focus. We're going to go deeper and sharper um, on on a number of these, um, but as a way of it, of being introduced, uh, you have some friends who've never been involved in politics or activism before. You know, you can give them this to begin with, but under the assumption that you know they're going to need much more than this um, um, of these ten points that were outlined. Um, but it's a good starting mm-hmm. point. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, you know, it's a good starting point to introduce someone that, you know, may be a little hesitant about what that is, um, what resistance movement, what they should be doing in the resistance movement, how should they see it, what role um, mm-hmm. in relationship to the question of democracy. Um, but if they're just mad and looking for something to to begin with, this is a great start. Yeah. So, so yeah, so let's, you know, let's go into, oh, and by the way, let me uh, remind the listeners that Next Monday, we'll be having uh, Jody Dean as a guest on our show, and she's the um, the author of what is her book here? Da, da, da. Um, the crowds, crowds and, and party, politi- crowds and politics. Yeah, crowd is it crowds and party or crowds and politics? Crowds and party. Right, crowds and party. I'm oh, thinking. Sorry, thanks for that. So yeah, so she will be on here. We we both have read the book, and we'll be interviewing her. And it's, it's kind of really. Kind of um, in line with some stuff, just kind of the activism kind of stuff going on. The the we had a, a, the show that we had last week was about marches, rallies, and protests and things of that sort. So she'll be coming in and you know talking about more about that. So definitely uh, tune in for that and uh, show your support for her. Um, let, so we're going this list and you know, we go. We'll take maybe we'll take turns going down each one and talk about it. But the, the first thing that I, I I put up on the list is. Um, what you want to do is focus on systems of oppression, you know, not figures and not just parties. I mean, you want to focus on parties. You do want to focus on those, on those figures, but you want, to, you want to put those political figures and parties in a systemic, you know, kind of form of oppression. You want to, you want to situate them within it. So it's not just Trump is the problem. I see that all the time on social media is that people are focused on the fascists in the White House as opposed to focusing on what he come, what, what system produces him. So what I've been saying is, is that we have to remember that white supremacy, capitalism, and oligarchy produces a Trump. He comes out of that, that system of oppression. He comes out of that ide- ideological framework. And so to me, I, I focus on getting people to look at those things because even when he's taken out, right, we're still left with white supremacy, Capitalism and oligarchy. We're still going to have to struggle against those things. We're going to keep coming back to it. This won't be the last time. So, right. One way to do that. So, go ahead. No, I just wanted to emphasize the point um, that you just made because oftentimes a lot of people will look at the extreme form of white supremacy, capitalism, and oligarchy. And, you know, remember, this is probably the most open, blatant, I'm in your face form of this stuff um, in a good while. And so people are responding largely because there has been filters and misleadership and, you know, uh, not saying that it's white supremacy, but, you know, we're trying to triangulate. Um, We're not saying it is capitalism. We're talking neoliberalism. You know, so a lot of stuff gets um, 
put under the cover. And so what you are seeing is the same thing that existed under Obama, the same thing that existed on uh, um, Bush, and the same thing existed in Clinton going all the way back to George Washington, almost to George Washington, that um, it is, it's the same in similar form, but at different time, the expression becomes much more pronounced, the attacks become much more sharper and, and, and much more repressive. So please don't get caught up in the trick bag between, you know, if we get rid of this one individual, life will be good. It will not be good um, until you speak to the heart of the matter, find out the disease, not the symptoms. So, you know, um, and, and, and that's, that's what you're talking about. And, 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 and that's, that's the thing that we, we had, uh, did a show that, that is really downloaded a lot, Carl. That was the one on dialectical materialism. And, and, and those of you on the left, I know this is kind of heavy for people who never know, like, you know, come from Marxist tradition or whatever, but go listen to this show. But, but I, I, I still use the dialectical materialist lens to look at what's, what the situation that we're in, you know, looking at, the, looking at both, you know, what are the economic and political conditions that produce this, this struggle that we're facing, right? Looking at this thing, it's, it's an issue of class struggle because it is, even though you have a lot of fascist supporters who are working class people support the fascists, they don't realize that they're being manipulated and oppressed and they're blaming, they're blaming immigrants, they're blaming the Muslims, they're blaming everybody, um, but, but not understanding that capitalism is the one that's causing them the grief that they're facing, I guess. I mean, some of these people, I don't even know what the fuck they're mad about, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's because either they lost their job and they're not making enough money. I don't know what the fuck it is. Or they just don't like people of color. That, that could be it, too. It's a, it's a mixed bag of stuff. Um, they, didn't, they didn't want to see... A bomb in the White House, a black man in the White House, that could be it. I mean, I don't know. But my, my, my thing is, is that we need to push in this system of oppression that this is, a, this is a class struggle. You know, this is about a struggle between those who own means of production, either about the, to those who own power. This is a means about people where the wealth, the, where the money goes to the top, 1% or less, right? This is that kind of class struggle that, that we're in. So frame it, frame it within that with people. Frame that this is a class struggle, and then it's also about the social justice issues in terms of racism and sexism and, and immigration and things of that sort as well. The, the thing that's just really surprising is to see the, the vitriol coming from this attack on uh, uh, Mexican immigrants. You know, this, this country is, has a long history of, of exploiting Mexican people, even just as much or even more so. No, I wouldn't say more so. But just, just in terms of, we know that African people were enslaved here. But we also know that Mexican people were used for cheap labor. Well, now what it seems like now is that now they don't, quote, unquote, need them anymore. They want to get rid of them. And, and the vitriol, Carl, that I've seen on, on Twitter uh, to, toward Mexican people in terms of, like, you know, they, the uh, ice is going out to, you know, going in people's homes and, Taking a mother out of there, out of and you know, the children are born here, but they're going to take the mother and send her back to Mexico. This is the kind of stuff that they're going to keep doing more and more. They're going to try to push this as far as they can. And I know some liberals don't even they don't even talk too too loud about it. But this right here is a class struggle. This right here is about class oppression. This is an issue about 
boundaries, setting up, you know, international boundaries. These boundaries benefit not the people. They benefit the capitalist class, both in Mexico and the United States. Be crystal clear. There's no walls being built for uh, businesses to go into Mexico. Be clear about that. There's no wall being built for them, right? I mean, you know, they, will, they can set up shop and go to Mexico, and Mexico invites them in. And why did Mexico invite them in? Because there's some people who are making money in Mexico, and there's some people who are not making money in Mexico. So be clear that this is a class struggle. This is a working class struggle. So to me, the workers of this country should be uniting with the workers in Mexico. The poor in this country should be uniting with the poor in Mexico. We don't get into that, that little division because we know that it's the, the, the oligarchy in both Mexico as well as the United States, right, that are benefiting from this oppression. So, you know, that's how, you know, I'll, that's and how I frame that, that issue. And, and, and people need to understand that, it, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a class struggle. Part of the dynamics of this, you know, 45 that's in existence is that um, that is a result of pushback from around the world against the austerity that has been pushed against uh, working class people from around the world. There has been a movement from, you know, in Greece, in in France, and, and even in the United States, um, uh, with the teachers and and and, and um, public sector workers fighting back against the austerity to say you need to take cuts, you need to take less, even though they didn't create the economic crisis, you must bear the burden of the economic crisis. And I think that what has been happening is that there was a movement that was beginning to um, to. Uh, jail and to have success of pushing back against the austerity. What the bourgeoisie um, looked around and say, you know, we need to push back even harder, and we need to have someone in um, uh, in, in the executive branch of our governments now from around the world, from you know Brexit in Great Britain to the push that is taking place in Germany and France which already have taken place in Australia, Austria and, 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 and other places um, uh, around the world to push back against um, working class people, uh, uh, you know, achieving some gains. They will, you know, trot out to say that the enemy, uh, to the working class, the reason why you are not doing well, the reason why you're being, you know, your condition is so bad is because of those people of color, those Black people, those you know, Latinos, those others, those others is the reason why you are not uh, doing well. Even though for the past you know thirty years, uh, real wages in the United States for for the working class has been flat, and they've only the only reason why they appear to be doing well is because they've been living off of credit cards, and now the credit card is um, is has come to. Uh, a halt. It is not increasing; it's now decreasing, and they're feeling it. And, and, the, and, and the bourgeoisie are saying, "Hey, this is what um, uh, these are your enemies." And they're using and through the media, through social media, and regular media, every other uh, mechanism to tell the working class that they are your they're your problem. And it's a as 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 
to play into the divide and conquer approach so that the the bourgeoisie it is interesting that the working class the most oppressed working class people particularly the white working class who lost their home who lost their job can vote for a billionaire who has no, has no interest but because they've been so uh, brainwashed they've been so bamboozled so um uh, told that that the, that that black person or that Latino is the problem, even though uh, the blacks in America are far worse off than to the average white. Even though if come to to America, come to America for jobs, um, because of the mass destruction of imperialist um, uh, and corporations in their in their country have destroyed, whether through militarization, drugs, and everything else, have destroyed their their country. So that now they have to come to the U.S. to seek uh, a better standard of living. Um, so it's 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 that dynamic that has taken place, and that what people need to be clear about this, and we need to articulate this, as as you describe it, in a dialectical materialist. Materialism simply says, see reality as it is. Tell the social economic system the way it is. Do not hoot, weakest, butter it up. Dialectic says that it is a struggle. It is these two classes that are struggling against it. And, and it is not two people. It is not a personality clash. It is not a subjective clash. It is not a you know, a bad day cl- clash. It is a real clash of classes that is rooted in real social economic conditions. It is not some alternative universe, some matrix kind of thing. It is real that is affecting people in real lives. And that's what dialectics, but, but understanding make people, helps, using that lens, help people to understand. But it also helps to understand that it is, that there, that, that that there is progress, that there is a future, that if you struggle, you can change things, and 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 part of understanding that part of a dialectic that makes you positive and hopeful versus depressive and um, uh, uh, you know narcissistic thinking inward, uh, nihilistic uh, in a way where you you know you might as well you know get yourself drunk or high and you know call it a day. Right. So, 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 so our first point is focus on systems of oppression, not just political figures and parties. A number, a number two, and, I, and Carl, you can take three and four, but number two, it says, I says advocate for human rights and for more democracy. Now, the fascists were trying to say, well, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. Well, fuck that. We want a democracy. We want to have, we want to push for more democracy because this is what is being, has been undermined now, both by capitalism as well as neoliberalism, as well as oligarchy. Well, we see the reason why this, this fascism is there, the reason why he, was won, he won in the first place is because the weakness, this shows the weakness of our democratic institutions. This shows the weakness of the lack of a political consciousness on, on part of working class people. That is, a lot of people who did not vote, a lot of people who did not become active. And I will say to you that if you did not vote, if you did not you know, participate actively, in that process, then you need to rethink your strategy because that's not working. You, we're going to have to be very much involved in the political uh, kind of processes going on. So, but me, I advocate as a humanist, I advocate human rights and more democracy. For me, in terms of human rights, is to have empathy for other people. The, the pro-fascist folks 
they don't have empathy for other people. They only have empathy for themselves and whoever they're, they're told to have empathy for. So, you know, and this, this is sad. I have empathy for all people, even though I may hate some of their ideology, I may hate some of the things that they do, I'm going to have empathy for people. And I'm going to push for more democracy in a sense. This is what socialism is, should be about. I don't support no socialism that's dictatorial. I support a socialism that says we're going to get, make sure that people are involved in the decision-making process, that we're not just going to leave it up to representative democracy. Two is transparency. Push for transparency. We want to be clear about what's going on. Push for freedom and opportunities for all people. So this, is, this to me, partially is a human rights struggle. When you're talking about denying people to come into this country, that's a human rights issue. That's not just a religious issue. That's a human rights issue. So I don't have to think about, well, yeah, we should let the Muslims in. No, they're human beings, so they should be here. They should be able to travel like we travel. So you see what I'm saying? They're human beings. We're all human beings. We're on this one planet. It's on this one planet, and we better fucking learn how to get along because if we don't, we will not laugh on this planet, I will guarantee you. And many people have said it, even Carl Sagan, the scientist, said, look, we're not going to survive in the, in the trajectory that we are headed. We're not going to do it with this kind of bigotry and this and all this hate and just pushing up borders and labeling people and shit. We need to get rid of these fucking labels, at least in terms of these derogatory labels. So, so that's number two. The number three, really quickly, is focus on globalism, not can, can, na- American nationalism. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I want to go back to the democracy because um, um, okay. and freedom um, for a moment because okay. oftentimes democracy and freedom, which was uh, pimped in Eastern Europe, um, was told that you know freedom and democracy is being like American capitalism or American consumerism. So you get to buy all kinds of junk and um, and and live the life of gluttony. That's not what the freedom and democracy we're talking about. That's bourgeois. Um, you know, um, corrupt um, form of bourgeois democracy. We're not talking about uh, democracy, uh, equating democracy to private property. That's another thing that America is notorious of doing, that um, uh, uh, is to say democracy is that you get to have a private property and therefore that's, you know, that's your democratic right to sell your own property. Hell no. Democracy uh, has a lot to do that have the right to participate in the decision-making process, and not only to having your voices heard, but to be acted upon. So this is where in, in, in Brazil, when they do participatory budgeting, where people participate in the, de- the democratic process of coming up with ideas of projects in terms of allocation of resources, and that they make the decision, and those who are going to represent must implement there is, it's not that you have a representative democracy where someone represents you and then turns around and says, well, I, you, know, I, you know, in the b- b- bigger interests of everyone, I, you, know, we have to, you know, we have to do something different. It, th- that's, um, that's, one, that's one form of bourgeois democracy. Real democracy, socialist democracy, is that you both have not only the voice, but you participate in the decision, and you see your decision actually get implemented. The other part about um, um, 
bourgeois democracy, um, American bourgeois democracy, which is very feudal democracy, is that we have to get rid of the electoral college that was set up by slave owners. It was, the, it was their system to protect the slaveocracy uh, system, and we continue to use that. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, the, the ultimate you know, the democratic system is a proportional representation, but it's much more progressive here in America. Proportional representation is applied in South Africa, France, um, even to a certain extent in, in Great Britain. Um, everywhere else in the world uh, uses proportional representation. No one hardly ever use unless some authoritarian system uses electoral college, some kind of system that basically uh, says, you know, these few get to make the decision uh, of everyone else. So we need to get rid of that. We need to move in the direction of proportional representation, but not necessarily in there. We, in a social society, if we move even past proportional representation to get to almost to the degree of direct a democracy. So um, we need to be clear about that and articulate that because there are brothers and sisters around the world who clearly do not understand exactly what democracy is, and we still have that problem here in America as well. Yeah, and, and we have to, you know, we and I want to stay too long on this, but we do have to constantly redefine these these notions of what democracy is, what a freedom is, because. The, the fascist uh, supporters use this word a lot, you know, yeah. we're fighting for our freedom, and, and they mean something totally different. And a lot of times, you know, the other day I had a real long discussion with one of them on, on Twitter. I'm just trying to really home, home this person down. He was a woman, and I was, you know, I was saying, you're trying to home her down. Like, well, what is it you really, you know, really, why do you support him? What is it about? You know, she really couldn't articulate it. I mean, and I don't mean that. I mean, I'm not serious. I just kind of just asked the questions. I didn't really come come back with too much of my own stuff. I just say, well, you know, well, what do you mean about, you know, uh, you know, we need to, you know, we need to fight for our freedom. What, what does that mean for you? And she just really couldn't, uh, couldn't do it. And so we, we need to be able to define what, what is, what is our view of democracy? How is that, that democracy uh, uh, different un, under a, 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 a different economic political system? And the same thing, notions of freedom, freedom, the notions of freedom have changed historically. And so we need to be clear. So maybe we ought to do a show about that, because there's a couple of good books on that, too, about the history of the concept of freedom. But the number three is looking at focusing on, I say, focus on globalism and not American nationalism. This is, right now we're in this kind of uh, American nationalism mode. We've always been there. It hasn't gone away. But now it's gotten ratcheted up under the fascism. This is part of, this is part of a tenet of fascism, you know, to push this, this, this nationalism, this national borders, Stuff like that, but you have to understand it's clearly it should be clear to anybody that around the world you see uprisings all the time, and many of these uprisings are similar to the ones that we have here. I mean, they may have they they have their particular nature, but they're similar, and so a lot of these things are a global issue because again we're under globalism and the 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 the, the, the uh, let's say the, the those in power across the world, right? Have a, have a set a, a set of interests, which is mainly money, power, and and usurping property every can they can. So this is what they do. This is this is what. So we share that common oppression. So I don't get into this notion about, well, you know, America's the great, and we need to make change make changes for America. Fuck no, we need to make changes for the for the entire world 
Because I understand that if we were to even struggle for socialism in, a, in the United States, right, in which we should, because this is a good place for it to happen, but it would not be as effective if we don't start pushing for socialism in other parts of the world as well and make it worldwide socialism, right? And, and, and let's be clear, Carl, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been seeing a lot of people talking about socialism lately on, 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 on the, uh, social media. Um, you know, like Democratic uh, uh, DSA, Democratic Social of America, I mean, they may not be a revolutionary party, but they, their membership now is about 15,000 people. That's not right. a hell of a lot in terms of other parties, but that's a hell of a lot more than they used to have. So, I mean, and these are young people. I mean, they're like on Twitter talking about, hey, we just had a little, we had a general meeting the other night, and 100 people showed up. You know, these, these are young people that are putting their dreams out there. And I saw another, another person wrote an uh, essay about why am I a socialist. I haven't seen that kind of thing in a long time. And so because so people are beginning to, like, you know, look at these questions, but you don't want to look at just socialism in terms of the United States. You know, you, we want to start locking arms with working, working class people across, across borders, and we want to eventually get rid of borders. Borders do not help people who have to occupy the same planet. They don't, they don't, they don't help. The only people they help are, are the bourgeois class, the global bourgeois class. That's the only people they help. Those are the reasons why they, keep, they want to keep borders. They want to do that. They want to talk about trade. They want to talk about trade on their terms, not trade based on the terms that the working class sets, right? And, and this is we right. know that the one common factor that we have is the working class throughout the world are oppressed and exploited. Don't let nobody tell you that it's not happening, right? If you don't think so, you need to do some study. Seriously, do some study. If you think because you're making $10 an hour, Fifteen dollars an hour, even twenty dollars an hour. All that you're doing fine. No, you're being exploited. Fuck! I don't even care if you're making uh, seventy dollars, seventy dollars an hour. You may not. You might have the money that you need in order to do some things at seventy dollars an hour. But just think about how that, how much you work to produce on behalf of those the, the, the person who employs you. How much did you get back from that from, from your labor? You know, how much do you, you, you do you get take? How much of your life is taken away by nature of work? And, and we've talked about this before. For me, right. I, don't, I don't look at just the working class. I look at the notion of work itself because I think work itself is exploitative in a, in a lot of ways. And we can, I don't want to get off into it right now, but we've talked about it some in past shows. But I think we really need to look at the notion of who owns workers, what are workers giving up, you know, in terms of because you're selling your labor. When we go to work, you're selling your labor. Even if you say, well, I don't work for anybody. I sell stuff. I'm, I'm a salesperson. I'm a blogger. I make my own money. Well, at that point, you have to support other people in order to get them to buy your junk or buy your stuff. Right? We're all in the game. Even I'm in the game. Everybody's in the game. Carl's in the game. Everybody's in the game because the system is what, is what, um, is what you know, directs our exchange between each other, economic exchange between each other. So we really need to look at that question that this is a global struggle, that we share some of the same problems throughout the world, fascist tendencies, neoliberalism is, is, is throughout the world, and we need to unite about that. We, we haven't done that, but we need to. That's right. That's right. And it also um, is a part of uh, 
thinking um, globally, we need to learn from experience from other struggles from around the world, um, what worked and what didn't, whether it's from the South Africa working class um, in terms of in, in the mine workers or whether it's from um, those uh, workers in Chile or in, in Brazil or those in China. I mean, there's a lot of strikes that are taking place in China um, uh, uh, against the um, Foxcom which provides a lot of goods uh, for Walmart and, uh, you know, computers here in the, in the U.S. Um, the same in India, the same in, um, you know, uh, in Europe and, and, and Russia. There's, we need to learn from the, those experiences. We need to lock arms with them. We need to provide support. We need to have a political discussion with each other about what 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 happened in Greece in their struggle against austerity. What 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 worked and what didn't work? Um, what can we learn from that um, electoral arena fight? What can we learn from a you know mass strike that, that you know that would take place in whether in South Africa or, or in other places? We need to um, both lock arms, learn from their experience. Uh, realize that this is one battle, one fight against, you know, the few families, uh, billionaire family, worldwide billionaire families that are uh, pressing us all. Um, and that's what we uh, always have to keep in context in our struggle. We should never assume that a bourgeois, billionaire bourgeoisie is on our side. They're not. They have mm -hmm. no interest. Right. They have nothing, no right. connection to us. No matter how liberal, no matter how progressive they may be, unless they're willing to underwrite a revolution, they are, they are fundamentally antithetical to our, 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 our struggle, our, 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 our humanity. And we need to say that, you know, working class people worldwide can, can never be divided. With those from where they're coming from, Mexico or Central America, there are there are our brothers and sisters. We will support and defend and go down dying. Whether you are, uh, your religion is Islam, Christianity, or Buddha or Hinduism, we will go down fighting together. I mean, this is what real working class solidarity is all about. You know, you know, a hurt to one is a hurt to us all. Uh, and 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 that is what we need to keep uh, in focus when we are struggling against our fascist leader here in the U.S. That our, we are fighting against our fascist leader to make life that, uh, not only for ourselves but for the world, and then we will give support for their the fight against their fascist leaders in their part of the world to make life better for us. Um, and so we cannot be caught up in the trick bag of, you know, oh, well, you know, if the working class in, you know, in China gets more money than my, you know, my bootleg good that I got from Walmart, price is going to go up, and therefore it's going to make it hard for me to buy, you know, instead of, you know, 20 loaf of bread, just only five loaf. So, you know, I, I think one of the things that we need to be, you know, we need to keep that, you know, front and center. Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, so, so definitely look at it as a global issue. Look at this notion that when, I know the immigration issue is a big issue there. If people start challenging you on that. Talk about, well, what's going on in Mexico? Why do people got to leave? Why are they leaving? Why do they got to uproot themselves there? There's a number of reasons. A lot of times it's because of the, the poverty, the fact that you can't even get a decent job, but yet you have, you have people like uh, Carlos Slim, who was one of the richest people in the world, in Mexico, 
This man is worth, you know, something like $50 billion of wealth. How do you have individuals like that in a country that is that has so many poor people? That's a contradiction. Same thing here. The same thing here. You have, you know, you have eight billionaires that have more money, more wealth combined than probably like the 40, the, the 40%, the bottom 40% of the country, right? So these things are, there's a connection between these things in a global sense. So we don't, I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot more time with it, but just, just push that this is a global thing. Don't get caught up into the American nationalism. The number four is, we talked about the last week, so we don't have to spend too much time on it, but have a vision for change. You know, this is the reason why we have this show called Social Vision. We talked about it. We're going to keep doing it. Have a vision for change. Even if you don't agree with socialism, you need to be able to say, all right, if I don't agree with what the fascist is doing, what do I think is, do we need to have differently? You need to be able to articulate that because people are not going to, they're not going to take you seriously if you say, well, the fascist is, he's, he's offering these solutions. You're not offering anything. You're not, whatever you offer don't make sense. Well, you need to be clear about what solutions that you need to offer. And just saying we want him out the White House, that ain't no solution. That, that's not a solution to anything, right? Because, the, the, because if, you, if you think that's a solution, we're going to round up right back in that same place in the next election. It just be a different person, that's all. So you need to have that. We need to talk about the right to self-determination and redistrib- redistribution of wealth. And that doesn't mean, when I say redistribution of wealth, that doesn't mean just, oh, yeah, we're going, to, we're going to take from the rich people and give to the poor people. No, no, they ain't dangerous with that. I mean, it does mean that. But, but at the same time, we know that wealth, the, the, the wealth income gains, income gains and wealth are going to the top. So that means they're the ones ripping off people. I've asked this question time and time again. How do they make the money they make? Few people can ask that. Where does their wealth come from? At what expense does it come? Few people can, very few people can explain that. Even Robert Reich doesn't even really talk about it as much as I think he should. We understand, where do these people get this fucking money, and why have you got all these billionaires, in, 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 in a, in a, particularly in a country that is so wealthy, or even in Mexico where there's a lot of poverty, and poverty here as well, but yet you got these individuals that are multi-billionaires. Why is that? Why is that? You answer that by answering that question, then you'll see the commonalities, and you'll see why we need to do something different. Because this system is allowing that kind of wealth accumulation. We live in a capitalist system that allows for that. It pushes for that. And so that makes everything else very difficult. It makes our working relationships very difficult. It makes our social relations very difficult because everything is based upon profit and wealth accumulation. And you're being, you and I are being abused and explored it because of that. And when you see that kind of thing, when you when you see it, then you'll see why we're saying we want to call for something different. Also, along that line, I forgot to add, was um, th- there are going to be people who will tell you that, the, the, you know, we're fighting against the, you know, the fascist 45, and therefore we need to have Democrats um, uh, reelected. We should flat out say no. We want a working class, People of color party, plain and simple. Do you want to make that's that's what you want? So, what I mean by mm-hmm. that, if you say working class, that means you can't have folks from Wall Street in your party. You can't be funded <laughs> by Wall Street. Right. 
Bernie Sanders demonstrated and proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. You don't need an underscore. You do not need Wall Street to mm-hmm. win. You right. need the people to win by $27 donation. Right. You need a, a clear working class politics that is led by people of color or that has people of color a part of it because you're going to be having to struggle with white supremacy. And there will be those who will find this uncomfortable. So you're going to have those who will say, well, yeah, you know, I'm down for, you know, a, 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 a politics that inc- that's inclusive. And you said, no, I don't want no inclusive politics. I want a very exclusive politics called working class people of color. Now, if you can't do that, then get out of my way. And this is what mm-hmm. I want. So people, right. people, be clear about what your vision of change. And do not get caught in the same trick bag that, that got us in this situation before. So don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Make it clear. You're out there resisting. You're telling people what you're thinking. Take it to the bank. Right. And 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 and, this, and and we're going to go into the next five. The next five is dealing with dealing with um, how do you, you know, why you're in the resistance struggle. So these are some points that we suggest in terms of as you're in the resistance struggle. Because be clear, I know that everybody's not going to be in the resistance struggle on the same level and whatever. But and I even tell my wife, you know, who, who is not political at all, but I tell her all the time, you better get political on some level, because that's the reason why that we we constantly get. People in power that don't really work in our interests because a lot of us don't get involved a lot of times. We just don't. We either get lazy or we don't. We get you know we get fearful or we get apathetic or, or we think because well I got mine they need to get theirs that kind of attitude. This is the reason why we have the fascists in the White House right now is because it it just it didn't take the, the the Republican Party didn't have to get a lot of votes. It never does. All it needs is for us to not vote. All it needs for us is to not resist. All it needs for us is to not to have a party that's led by people of color. And people of color definitely should be uniting to lead that resistance struggle because we're the most, we're the most harmed by it. And when we lead it, more people will benefit. And this is what the fascists, one of the things that the, the, that the white nationalists, the fascists are scared of is their numbers are shrinking. And their political power could shrink as well. And that's the reason why the fascist is there as well. So people of color have to unite. Um, but let me get into, because we're going to run out of time, but get into the next five. One of the things I really want to emphasize, I talked about the last show, I want to emphasize this again. When you're talking to people and you're struggling with people, on, you know, either online or face-to-face or what have you, and you should do this, do more listening than talking. Now, I know we do a lot of talking on here, but if I, I guarantee you, if you saw me in, in an exchange with people, you would see me doing less talking and more listening. I listen to what people are saying, then I try to respond back to what they're saying, or I ask the question about what they're saying. Typically, I don't ask the question that I already have an answer for. I ask the question to clarify, right? And this is number six, too. We're going to kind of jump into number six. I ask them to clarify the claims they're making. So if the, if, if, if the reactionary folks are saying, well, Mexican people 
are making it hard for us. You know, they're making it very difficult for us. They're destroying our, our, their, our way of life. But ask them, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right? Ask them, what do you mean? And then go from there and talk about why they're wrong about that or talk about why they're framing that particular, uh, situa- that, that particular criticism uh, and why that's the wrong way to do that. Right? They, they, they need to look at it like so. So do less talking. Definitely listen and ask people to clarify their claims. People are making claims about a lot of shit all the time. You know that the that the the Muslims are the terrorists of the world. Okay, well ask them what they mean by that, and then use your dialectical materialism, historical materialism, to realize that the United States has killed more people than anybody. It's the one that has 800 bases around the around the globe, 800 military bases, not. Arabs and Muslims, they don't have no 800 military bases around the globe. So be crystal clear about that. But ask people to make their, to, to justify their claims. And if they give you some little generalization, you say, well, you generalize. You're not giving me any particular specifics. You're not giving me any particular facts and where are your facts coming from. But do less talking listen to them because you have a better success at getting them to understand the contradiction. So that's five and six. Just do more listening. And encourage uh, people to clarify their claims. Do you want to add anything else to that, Carl? Uh, no, no, I think a lot of times, as as you mentioned, is that we don't do enough listening, and we like to talk, um, articulate our point, and, and talk down to people. We need to listen to people, and then take that information, try to understand where they're coming from, and then reframe it in a way that they will understand. Um, some mm-hmm. of this stuff for us we're, we're much more advanced, so we use uh, certain terminology that that um, some people do not understand. But what we try to do is try to explain it in a way that is comfortable for people to understand, and that's what we have to do. Listen. Part of the things that the left haven't done enough of is listen to the rumblings on the ground. So we yeah. knew this was coming. We heard them complaining. We heard certain people. They, they, we haven't built up the critical mass enough to address it. So th- I think that's the thing that um, we just have to do a lot more of. Right, and, and, and also avoid these homonym attacks. You're going to get that. If, if One of the things that I do, if somebody engages in a homonym attack on me, then I, I just cut them off. I mean, I, I won't tolerate that. I'm, 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 a, I'm an adult. I'm mature. I don't, I don't do It's like, like dealing with a five-year-old. If you're going to do that, then I'll cut you off. So you don't want to engage in the Hanuman attack. As a matter of fact, you, normally what I do is I call them out on it. I say, look, you know, I'm not going to engage in the Hanuman attack. You're going to use, you're going to call our name because that's the best argument you have, right? Because the Hanuman attack weakens your argument. When you have to criticize what he, you know, the fascist looks like he's an orange face and he, he's looked, his hands are small. I mean, that's funny, but that doesn't really do. bring the contradiction. That doesn't show what he's about. That doesn't explain why he's a problem. Just because he has small hands and he's orange looking, I, I don't, you know, that's not going to do anything. I mean, I can't stand looking at the man, but that doesn't, but he don't care about me not being able to look at him. He don't give a fuck. I need to understand what, what, what he, what he is doing and how it's hurting people. And I need to argue from that perspective, not argue from, you know, how he looks or how, how dumb he is. He, he's dumb, but he's shrewd. He's also shrewd, right? But be clear. That's true. Number, yeah, number seven is be present um, on social media. And 
you know, I know a lot of us, we, you know, we, we, you know, we, I know I work a lot in my house, so I can't get out like I used to. But be present on there. Really go in. Social media makes it really easy. I mean, this, this is it. That's armchair revolutionary right now in the, in the truest sense of the word. I mean, you can sit at your couch or whatever, and you can participate in struggles. And, and if you're following people on your Facebook or your Twitter or wherever, and all they're posting is nonsense, well, you're following the wrong people. Follow some people, find people that are posting things that are about political consciousness and about resistance. Those are the people that you want to follow. Don't follow people always, you know, kind of this posting nonsense about, well, did you see what Beyonce did the other night on the, on, on the award show? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, that's cool. Beyonce's cool and everything, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about that. I mean, too much else is going on. So follow people, support like-minded people, favorite and retweet their stuff. A lot. That's the easiest but, but, thing that you can do. Number seven. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that as well as just you know be present on social media um, on many different platforms, whether it's uh, uh, tweeting or whether you're Facebook. Um, I know there's, uh, our generation use a lot of Facebook um, and actually organize using Facebook um, as as uh, from uh, from the older generation. Um, the younger generation, the millennials, use um, a lot of uh, Instagram and other alternative forms of communication um, as a way of finding out what's going on. But we also we also have a large body of people who are still get their news via the radio or TV, and uh, oh, yeah. even though it is not. It doesn't capture as many as it once was because now we have many different platforms. So it's, there is no hierarchy of, you know, TV is the most important. You know, uh, tweeting is the is is the last. They're all of all of them are important. Each uh, I I have a more of a strategy of using the social media to create a critical mass that will feed over into more progressive media, whether it's democracy now or, uh, or you know, some folks it used to be uh, Melissa Harris-Perry on, on MSNBC and then ultimately move off of the what they call uh, cable TV to uh, network TV, which is free TV um, uh, news. Um, so I'm not saying that you should focus only getting your information from you know, network news, because a lot of that is, um, you know, a really bad, alter, you know, uh, bourgeois, uh, back, you know, uh, right-wing type of news, whether it's MS, uh, NBC or, or um, Fox Channel. The challenge is, is the how we, we have to be in all of those places or migrate our message through all of those places and to have those, um, you know, um, having those presence in all of those places on many different levels. Yeah, one, one of the things that I do, and people, you know, because we only have so much time in a day. So I, I, I subscribe. I do pay uh, Mike Malloy. Mike Malloy.com is he's a longtime uh, radio, you know, he, he was, I think um, he was on Air America at one point. Now he has his own podcast, so he's a talk show host, but he's progressive. And, and, and one thing I've noticed he's doing more and more now is that he's really trying to filter a lot of the news and issues that we should know about. So if I don't have, I don't, you know, he, that's his job. I mean, he has all day to look, to look at TV, to read stuff, go online. Then he brings stuff, you know, to his show 
it breaks it down. Well, what that does, it helps me is he can bring stuff to me that I may not find because I don't have that kind of time that he has. So I pay him, I subscribe to his show to help him to filter some information for me, to filter and analysis for me. The second thing is, same thing with the people I follow on, uh, on my Twitter account, is that a lot of those people will, will, will post up, not just people, but also news, like, you know, left, left-leaning, uh, 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 you know, sites and things like that. So they post up stuff that I can link to, so they're filtering stuff out for me. So I, cause I, don't, I don't have time to sit in front of TV and watch a lot of uh, bourgeois news. I'm not saying that, you know, sure, if you, know, if you need to do it, go ahead and do it. But I don't have a lot of time. I can't do that. I don't have the patience. I don't have the – I just can't put up with it. So, but, but on my Twitter, somebody was there. When they'll link to these different articles, and if, and if I'm using it, I'll go to bed at night. That's, the, that's one of the things that I do is I go through there and look at some stuff, and I'll link to it and get information. Um, I wish I had more time to, to, to do more research, but just between that and my job and reading, uh, reading books and stuff like that, you know, I, not, not that much time left. So, so definitely, you know, do that. Get involved with media uh, on all fronts as much as possible, progressive media, uh, Democracy Now!, Mike Malloy Show. There's a lot of different websites out there. The Young Turks, uh, pretty good, you know, has some issues, but has some good stuff as well. Number eight is... Um, this is just what this is what me and Carl may have a different point on this, but focus on protests and rallies that have a clear goal and agenda. You know, there's gonna there's already a lot of a lot of a lot of protests and and uh, going on. I tend to prefer pro- protests that are going to be in front of other people. I, I don't I don't I don't really I don't really like to be around where we just kind of preaching to the choir. I'm, that's just me. I tend not to go to a lot of protests where I just know there's going to be a handful of people, the same people I already know, you know, I know what they're going to say. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say they're doing anything wrong, but believe me, anything, when you do anything, it's better than nothing. I'm just saying that for me, I tend to try to go to rallies and protests in which they're going to be, it's done in front of where other people are around and the media is going to possibly be there. That's the one I think I want to engage in because there I want to be able to pass out flyers to, to People who are not in the choir, I want to pa- I want to talk to the media if, if they're there. Sometimes I don't, but I mean if they're there, may do that. But I want ones that you know that have that kind of appeal to it. And I also really wanted to have a clear goal because you know sometimes you know just because you have a protest doesn't mean that it's the right time or that you're achieving a particular thing. You just you know you just kind of getting up and talking and see how many people can get there. So that's just me, but I mean, Carl, you might. Have yeah, to I, I, no, I, I think for, um, I know, one, we need to do more rallies and protests, and that's what the resistance mm-hmm. movement is doing, uh, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And and some some of them are fairly large, which is have been absent in the '90s and 2000s. We we've done some protests and some rallies, but they've mainly been a spurt at large, and then they just dissipate and then implode. What is qualitatively different about this one is that there have been many different rallies and protests, but one of the things that is missing is the unity of all the protests and marches, because there have been a lot of them to raise visibility about the issue that they're resisting against Trump policies on the Muslim ban or immigration or, or, or whatever, um, you know, women's rights issue. It has not gelled together in terms of 
what does that, you know, moving past raising the issue to strategically impacting the, you know, the fascist regime. And I think that's the second stage that needs to happen now. I, I don't want to, you know, dismiss the previous stage. They should continue to happen. But now there needs to focus on not so much of having so many, but which ones are going to have the greatest impact. But also, people, sometimes you will lose. Not every protest and rally is going to win. So you have to, one of the things during the anti-war movement when they had the the, um, the 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 largest march on the Pentagon, um, and you know they fire back with tear gas and and, and stuff. People left that anti-war um, protest uh, feeling defeated because you know all these many people. We got all this media play and nothing happened. The thing is, is that it impacted so many people around you know, around the world as well as in the in the U.S., that there was even more protest that was more, began to become much more focused with a clear demand in the war now. And so, um, uh, so what we have to do is we also be clear about moving it to the next level and strategically doing uh, rallies and demonstrations that forces, you know, certain policy that you want, not something that always what you're against. Um, that was pretty much the strategy that was used by Martin Luther King. He didn't do rallies and demonstrations at every juncture. In fact, they had great debates as to whether or not at a certain one, you know, should there be a rally, should there be a demonstration, should he come for this, will it have the kind of impact that it's supposed to. And they thought it all the way through more so than say, oh, I'm mad, let's have a rally. Oh, I, I think it's mad because I want to be on TV. I mean, it has to be much more strategic focus and and trying to change the the, the, the you know the way uh, uh, way things are. And it can serve you know on many different levels, but it needs to be clear and articulated clear as to what the agenda and you know ultimate goal is. I think we talked about it last week, Carl. I mean, to me. Again, you know, you talk about what, you know, this, that there was a protest successful. Just remember, protests for me, at least in the way I look at it, and rallies, are more about educating people, make, bringing about awareness. That's, that's mainly what they do. I mean, I don't know if you really, you know, when we saw the protest on the, on the, uh, the, uh, the, the Muslim ban, right, that was, that was a particular situation where it could be successful. You had people that were in a particular place. They were being discriminated in a particular place. And you could go, you know, you went to went to the airports, which which is which made that that protest very disruptive to to to, to that you know to the to the airports itself, right? And it brought light to the to the entire country and the world, actually. So th- there was a, there was some success made uh, gained out of that, but it, it wasn't just all just just the protest. You know, there was some legal issues that were involved too that made it successful. So understand. Why some protests seem like they were successful protests and some are not. By and large, protests again are about consciousness raising and trying to move people to think or be aware of situations. If you want to make some, you want to fight resistance. Really, resistance has to be in the form of, to me, I think, in the form of boycotts, um, sabotaging infrastructure, you know, sabotaging infrastructures, um, going on strikes. Those kinds of things, you have to ultimately organize on those levels, right, in order to really hurt 
the, 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 uh, the capitalist class, the bourgeois class. That's the way, and those are much more systemic and much more long range, but that's why you're going to have to do that in order to really make that change. The, the anti uh, war movement, the Iraq war, Carl talked about, you know, it was massive, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily successful. Well, we know it wasn't successful in, in, in putting the end to the war. It, just, it didn't stop it. It did not stop it. And because at some point we're going to have to decide that, motherfuckers, if you're going to take us to war, we're going to fight back. You think that you have, you know, you're sending soldiers over there to do things. You're going to have soldiers here that are going to start fighting in this country and be willing to, to tear up some shit to, to, to pretty much, you know, impact infrastructure. You know, and that's what we're going to have to do. We won't be able to win on, on, the, on the military as long as the, the police and the National Guard have the guns. We won't be able to win on that particular thing. But we can look at, start organizing. I'm not going to, I wouldn't say talk about this openly to everybody. I'm just talking about it generally. We are going to start talking about the notion of, you know, how do we undermine the capitalist infrastructure at, at given points? Where are some pressure points that we can put on to make, uh, to, 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 to push for change? That, that we cannot have that discussion here on the show. But, I mean, it's going to have to happen um, by in the resistance struggle. It's going to ultimately have to happen that way because protest alone can be just, for some people, just something to do or something to look at. That doesn't necessarily stop uh, the oppression. That doesn't stop the policies that, are, that the fascists are putting, up, putting out there. So, in, so you understand my point, Carl? Is that... Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying protests or rallies or in of itself um, will bring about the fundamental change. But I think because um, you have to do, you know, civil disobedience, you have to disrupt the yeah. you know, profitability of the system, you have to disrupt the war effort, you have to do all of those things to make it dysfunctional so it can't operate and then it can seize. Um, um, and you have to do all of those things, but it's a process of getting there. And I think one of the things is that people look at protest and rally as the end of itself versus a process to to yeah. taking you to yeah. to another level. And so some people just get caught up in the loop of the protests and the rallies, and that is all. And um, uh, or, or think the protest and rally is, you know, is, is the greatest thing in and of itself. We need to take it to another level. I don't say we're there yet, and I think we have a lot more no, um, experience <laughs> that we will have to go through before we get there. But at, at, at the end of the day, uh, you, you have to, you know, you have to disrupt. And, then, you know, there are some those who do, you know, some of that civil disobedience and disruption on, on, on various levels, but um, I think um, if we're talking about, you know, fundamental change, it, it, it must be at a much higher level than we're, we're currently at. So I'm, I'm just not, what I'm saying is just don't get drunk off of just rallies and protests. There's no difference between, I'm saying the Muslim ban was a particular type of disruption that was somewhat successful, but it would not have been successful totally if that not for the legal aspect of it. So you even saw in the civil rights movement the King fought on you know, struggled on the street right. and the people many different levels. The legal the, the difference you have to look at on different levels, exactly. Number nine and ten really quickly, we talked we talked about this before, so we're not going to emphasize right. a lot of it, but you know, push people to, to join a left organization, political party and or movement. So again, 
you know, I, I, I say that right now for young people, if you're really you're kind of new to this stuff, you know, DSA is a good place to go right now. A lot of, a lot of fresh young people there. DSA have an education kind of a, you know, it, I'm, I'm not sure what the education program is about, but, I mean, I, I know it might be different from what I came up with, but I know they do have, they, they engage in the educational process, you know, so they talk about, you know, uh, progressive issues from, from a, a Marxist perspective and other uh, social justice perspectives and things of that sort. And, and I, I need to go back and attend some of their meetings just to find out, kind of update myself on what, what's going on with them. But there's other organizations, Socialist Workers' Party, other people like that, the Green Party. Uh, so just start, as you begin to participate in these movements and these protests, you know, start looking out for people that are seriously showing up, consistently passing out flyers and things of that sort. And maybe, you know, attend some of their meetings and find out if you, you know, you fit in with that. And then number 10 is, you know, constantly educate yourself. Um, you know, you really, this is, this is the time to really be, you know, like I, I try to challenge myself to read at least one book a month, if not more. Um, if you're not doing that, if you're not, you know, reading about socialism, if you're not reading about capitalism, if you're not reading about, you know, democratic parties or something, you know, read up on this stuff. You know, read about books on, on racism. You know, then we we talked about we we have shows dedicated to that. Go back a little bit to some of our shows. There's a lot of stuff online, but if you if you're not a reader, start being start reading. So, you know, do something. I know people have a lot of time, but just you know, you know, challenge yourself. I want to read one book a month or one book every two months. That's going to be about political struggle. So you know, right. And I think that that's really critical and really important. Um, you don't have to read one book a month. You could just read one book per year, but the most important thing is to educate yourself, um, to read, to uh, to become critical thinker. The, one of the power of the book, it makes you a critical thinker versus uh, reading a magazine or or a short snippet, um, in, in, you know, off of social media, because it doesn't, it doesn't Work your brain to think whether this is correct. Is it true? Is it relevant? Can I use it? Is it is it helping me? Does it give clarify certain things? Uh, do I agree or disagree? It doesn't challenge your 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 thinking muscles to think through this process. And so that is what um, uh, uh, that you know uh, reading a book does, and it, it helps people. Work through that particular part of the process. And I, I try to recommend on if you follow us on Twitter, the Socialist Forty Five. Um, I have I have books that I that uh, get posted on there regularly. So and many of those books that well, almost all of the books that I choose are ones that I think are accessible just to the general reader. People don't have to have a lot of background in order to get into it and reading it, but you do have to have a discipline of sitting down and and, and doing that. So or even if you know if you, if you don't have a lot of time, maybe. Get one of those books that have read. They think that's what do they call Audible.com or Audible. a book read to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't know if it cognitively if having a book read to you is is the same thing as reading it yourself. I mean, I tend to read and have keep a lot of notes and underline stuff like that. But but anyway, the point is is just you know do that. Um, you know, if you have if you only have to start with one book a year, do that. I'm hoping that you can do more than that. But uh, definitely start there. And but join a local organization, get in a political party. Um, you know, so that that's our ten, that's our ten points, and, and I hope you see how our ten points are different from um, what's his name, George uh, Lakoff, or what's his name? Yeah, Lakoff. 
uh, how yeah, how it's different from his, but we want to you know both support those. I'm going to try to put these ten points up and um, post them somewhere. We don't have a website per se, but I want to try to post them somewhere and put them up on our um, put them up on Twitter so people can kind of go back and review those again. Uh, and I, I just came on these because I think we've been talking about these things called you know through our right. show. I mean I don't know how many shows we've done, but we've been talking about this stuff, and it's just kind of just Capsulates a little bit what we've been talking about. You know, none of this stuff is is new to. I'm sorry, new to us or a lot of our listeners. But you know, I just want to put that out there. We have about six minutes left. Yeah, I think uh, all of this is um, relevant and important. I, I think we're living in, um, um, you know, I wouldn't say exciting time, but interesting time. I was re-listening uh, Martin Luther King's last speech, and he he made a point that he says that. It's only when it's dark when we can see the stars. And I think we're in the period of darkness, but we also can see a lot of stars, um, and particularly the mm-hmm. North Star as to tell us the direction that we need to go. There's no longer confusion. We're not in a fog. We're not in smog um, period. It is quite clear and stark. Um, it is, I mean, it's so stark as to who runs this country. When you see all the billionaires in the cabinet, when you see military folks running, you know, foreign policy, they're not hiding this stuff anymore for you. They're telling right. you straight right. out who's in charge, who's running the game. We're not going to sugarcoat it by simply saying, you know, we're down for the people. We, you know, we love the Black Panther Party, and then, you know, go and drone somebody. You know, we're not. We're not they're basically saying now. This is this is it. This is real, folks. This is how it is. All the other stuff was were our front man. We're in charge. See, this is how we do this. The question becomes for um, those who are just awaking is to not assume that this is a passing fad. Not assume that this is just something that you know they're doing for the moment because you know they you know they just slip it. No, they're basically saying, I, I'm showing you how we do this. Maybe the next time, you know, the next election, I'm going to go back behind the scene and do it, and I'll have all my puppets in front of you. This is real. This is clear. This is sharp. The stars are right in front of you. It's a question now as to whether or not we have the strategy, the consistency, the organization, the, the clarity of thought of moving forward, of building upon this resistance to a movement, to a revolution. That is the process that we need to, to move towards. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Bernie Sanders political revolution, which is a, a new face of electoral politics. I'm talking about total transform, social revolution, total transformation to the nature of where you no longer see capitalism enter into socialism and, and moving towards communism. That is what we're, where we are at today. And what we're outlining in terms of our 10 examples, um, 10 things of, of social activism is a guide. It's not complete. You can add what you want to it, but it is a guide to where, to go, where we're planning to, you know, what we think we should be going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh and uh by the way, I just I turn I just looked on here on our iTunes, um we we got several uh customer reviews customer reviews, uh, listener reviews. Really appreciate that. I haven't read them, I just I just looking at that. So I just wanna say uh to people who are on here to thank you 
for your positive feedback. I really do. I, I haven't uh, looked on here in a long time, but it was uh, definitely there. So, so de- definitely thank you for those positive reviews. I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed a little bit. I'm be frank with you. I'm, I'm overwhelmed because I think there's so much stuff that's going out, that's going on right now, and it's a really people are going to have to really take care of themselves. They're going to have to band together. They're going to have to stick together. Um, I'm concerned about the where this um, this immigration uh, ban, you know, will go in, in terms of what ICE is doing and and, and going into people's uh, you know homes. Um, these white these white nationalists and this white nationalism is is real. Um, I'm concerned about what's, what's going to happen to a lot of families, and uh, so I'm really concerned about that. I'm, I also know that 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 this struggle between the fascists and the non-fascists, between those who are progressive and those who are not progressive, is going to keep intensifying. Um, at some point, there's going to be, um, if, if you protest violence, there's going to, there's going to be um, uh, some serious fighting. Um, when, when the fascist is put, um, is, 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 uh, what, is, what do you call it, uh, impeached? When, when the fascist is, is impeached, um, you know, it, it we don't know what could happen as a result of that. He needs to be impeached, but um, it, it, it may come as a result of the in, of intense struggle between those who don't support this fascist direction that we're going in, and those who do. And uh, and we want to protect, you know, the lives of immigrant people here. We want to protect the lives of Muslim people here. If we want to fight against, continue to fight against racism, uh, you know, it, it might get it might get pretty bad. It might get pretty bad. But anyway. Gonna get tough. It's gonna get tough, but we can't yeah. cannot give up our spirit. Um, no, we can't and, do that. Uh, and keep you know keep our spirits going for a, diff- uh, a new world in a different place. Definitely. Well, really appreciate it. Um, thanks a lot, Carl, for the hour, for an hour and a half. It's been great. Um, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Keep following us on uh, Social Visions at Twitter. On Twitter, at Social Visions or Social Forty Five as a handle. Thank you also for posting stuff, posting reviews on iTunes. Please do that some more because the more positive reviews we get, the more listeners we get. And that's what we're here to do is try to create dialogue. You know, we're not making money off of this. You know, basically what we're doing is trying to create dialogue. So definitely see you back next week uh, for our guests uh, on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you.